would you want to go on a game show like that? Like, I'm sure you watched them growing up, but like, um, to me, I would kill to go on that show. I don't care what the prize is. And like, he, he I, I don't know if he was faking it because he was, you know, an audience member technically and he had to be all uh, excited, but he was geeked about winning that car. <laughs> I think he was probably more impressed that he won. So he was probably happy with himself as opposed mm -hmm. to the gift, but he could be happy that he got a gift that he can give to somebody. He can re-gift that car. Ah, that's a good point. It. But I mean, it's on national TV. If you're re-gifting that, everybody kind of knows it. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. I am currently recording this in Washington, D.C. As I forgot this morning, I'll be heading to Boston <laughs> shortly. Across from me, as always, is Izzy Gutierrez. Izzy, we just wrapped up a game. Obviously, this podcast will come out Thursday, so we will have... What's today? What's today? You guys got Boston on Wednesday, so you're just coming off of what will Boston. probably be a very hard-fought victory. Let's just do that. Let's yeah, just predict let's... the future. Let's say yeah, we had a hard-fought victory. Obviously, still shorthanded. Um, Bi is still out with a toe injury. I'm imagining he's not going to play on Wednesday, so this is safe for me to say. Um, he's battling back. He's been, you know, ramping up his rehab based on what I can see, and um, all signs point to him hopefully uh, returning soon. He's been out for a while, and obviously, we miss him. Uh, we need him out there, and he changes the dynamic of our team. Zion is still hurt and will not be playing on Wednesday. I can say for sure he's supposed mm -hmm. to be evaluated. Two weeks post-injury, I think he's a week into the hamstring injury and is progressing well from what I can see. But I just want to talk about our team. You know, right now, having played, what have I played, 36 games um, so far this season. We're 40, 41, 41 or 42 games in uh, on the year. We're currently standing at 25 and 16, which is pretty good if you ask me, considering all the injuries that we've had throughout mm -hmm. the year. We're in third place. I think a lot of different guys have stepped stepped up on our roster. I know you've been watching a lot of league pass on the Pelicans. Nazi's played extremely well. Uh, Devontae had a great game last night. Jose's been great all year for us. Um, we've had a lot of uh, guys come off the bench and, and really impact and have transformed into starters. Trey Murphy, um, Jackson Hayes has been great for us lately. We've had a lot of guys playing, you know, quality basketball and, and impacting towards winning. And I think that'll help us um, down the stretch of the season when we're getting ready for the postseason. Yeah, JV bullied a little bit. Uh, yeah, was bullying a little bit uh, against the Wizards yesterday or uh, on a Monday. But I'm wondering what that feeling like is for you. Just just kind of just whenever, you know, Zion isn't around and you know you haven't had BI for like 20 games, just sort of popping into that lead role and is it a comfort level for you? Is it just like, hey, it's just a little bit more of what I already do anyway? Or do you kind of just, you know, selfishly like it? Um, I think I look at it as a challenge, right? Um, for me, it's about adapting and figuring out ways to win, figuring out ways to do exactly what I need to do um, for this team, whether that's scoring, whether that's passing, rebounding, defending, deferring, calling plays and getting out the way inserting myself into the game when I need to. I, I've, I feel like I've always adapted to different roles. And right now we're obviously down, you know, call it 25 points from one guy, probably six rebounds and five assists. And then you got another guy who's averaging probably 21, 22 points and five rebounds and five assists. So um, obviously I'm not going to score 50 points a night, but I need to be able to be more aggressive. I need to impact um, from a leadership standpoint, more 
vocal and I tell the team we have less room for error. I think that's extremely important to recognize. You know, there's there's a small window of opportunity to win basketball games in the, in the league, right? And every possession matters. But when you lose two starters and then now Herb's out again, you lose a third starter. Hmm. There's even less room for error. You got to be more precise. You got to be more sharp, more locked in, more focused, more engaged, and understand that from a preparation standpoint. We're playing 16 games in, in 30 days. We just finished up four and six. We have five and seven. And we got tough opponents coming up. So you got to do everything better, everything more precise. And I think the younger guys are starting to understand that. They see me raising my my level of play. Obviously, I didn't perform particularly well in the beginning of the season. I wasn't shooting well and I wasn't feeling well. But um, I've been able to kind of, you know, put together a good stretch of games where I'm impacting, you know, both sides of the ball, scoring efficiently, shooting the ball. You know, I, I'd say probably 51, 52% over the last 14 or 15 games. So shooting the ball well, getting to the lane, getting to the free throw line and helping. So I say, I always say that I do enjoy it. I enjoy having a heavy load. I enjoy having to do a lot because I work to be able to. I condition myself. Um, I eat a certain type of way. I sleep. I watch film. I prepare a certain type of way to where I'm comfortable with it. And that's also why they pay me so much money. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is just me, uh, just for the times that I'm watching, but I feel like when you are, um, you know, when those guys are out and you do have to sort of uh, ramp up your your production, it feels like you get off the ball earlier and then just sort of, you know, find your spot because you're so good at like finding the gaps and finding those areas. It would seem like it's a lot trickier when all eyes are on you and you're, you know, handling all the time. Yeah, I think it's it's smart to mix it up, right? I'm a guy who can play off the bounce. I'm a guy who can catch and shoot. I can come off screens, and whether that's pick and roll or off ball screens, I'm good in actions where I can set a screen and get a screen. I think it's important that I utilize all of those skill sets. You know, it's nice to play in front of the defense, have the ball in your hands and to get mid pick and rolls and run the offense. But sometimes you need to get away from being in front of the defense. You know what I mean? Whether you're in the corner, starting underneath the basket, mixing up where I start at in possessions, but also where I finish possessions at is really important um, because the defense is obviously more engaged, more locked in. I'm seeing more traps, more hard hedges, more blitzes. Um, so I got to be able to move around and also be comfortable making the pass early and trusting that he's either going to get back to me or the guys are going to make the right decision and empowering teammates to be more aggressive, too, because that's important for them and their confidence. Yeah, I wouldn't too worried, wouldn't be too worried about um, you in particular, like your three point shooting is still 40 percent. It's just, you know, finding those areas in the inside the lane. Um, You know, we're not quite at the trade deadline yet. It's still a month away or so. But when you talk about midseason acquisitions, it's going to kind of feel like you got one when you get Brandon Ingram back, right? Like, do you think that it's just kind of like, it's going to feel like just a different type of, because you played long enough without him, it's going to feel like a different type of team even, uh, just like a, a heavy upgrade? Because if he goes and sort of uh, progresses to the mean, he'll probably average even more than he did this, you know, when he played the first few games, because only about 20 and the last three years average about 23. So if he gets about, you know, 25 a game from here on out, once he comes back, like that's adding an all-star that's got to feel completely different. No. Yeah. It's definitely going to change the dynamic of our team uh, with his skill set, his ability to play on the ball. He can post, he's got a mid post game. We'll obviously get to the, to the bonus a little bit quicker. Transition will be better. Uh, offensively we'll score more. It's just about, for him, making sure that he's ready mentally and physically, the conditioning aspect of it, because he hasn't played in a while. But like you said before, it will feel like a new acquisition because we're like three different teams, right? You know, we've had Z, we've had just me and Z, we've had just me and B.I., and we've had just me out there, right? Where in terms of the big three, when I say just me, 
um, we have to get used to playing with each other. And I've gotten used to playing with both of them on separate occasions, right? They've gotten used to playing with me on separate occasions. And we only played 10 games with the trio uh, out there together. So we got to get more experience together. We got to get into the fire, if you will, have some road games, have some tough um, matchups for us to, to where we have to work things work things out and really see what we're made of. But I look forward to the challenge and look forward to seeing how we come together again once everybody is healthy and once we have the rest of our roster healthy because that's also been an issue throughout this season for us as well. Your, uh, is, your GM is technically Trajan Langdon, right? Yeah, Trajan's the GM. Griff is the uh, uh, president of basketball operations. I think right. that's the title. So Trajan and Griff will probably be looking around for the next month. And one of the teams that seems sort of ripe for the picking because they've had a surprisingly bad year um, and a good core of players that people are going to want to ask about, uh, the Raptors. You know, they were with, with Scotty Barnes and Van Vliet and Siakam uh, and OG. Like they thought they had a solid core, especially if you assume that Barnes gets better um, from his first year to his second. And they've just kind of fallen off. The defense hasn't been there. The shot making hasn't been there. And now people uh, are wondering if, you know, their players will be available. Um, what, what's curious to me is, so like in baseball, you'll always have a guy or two that just has an out of nowhere bad season. You look at his stats and it's just like everything's down for a year. And you could probably point to injuries and stuff like that. But you don't see that that often in basketball. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You mentioned earlier about you not feeling great early in the season. So uh, that's one of those situations where you could say, okay, injuries and, and illness might affect you for a longer period of time, maybe affect your season throughout. But does that feel like something that can happen to you? Can you Have you had one season where you're just like, man, that whole year was kind of a throwaway for me? Early in my career, when I was not playing or battling injuries, it was difficult, like you said before, because you come back from the injury, but you're not you're not necessarily ready or mentally ready to get out there and be your full true self. You're still kind of you're kind of nervous about if it's a foot injury, you're nervous about going to the paint, you're nervous about landing. If it's a hand injury, you get hit every time you drive to the hole, every time you make a pass, every time you contest a shot. So you're you're a little more calculated with your movements. You're a little more afraid. You're more weary of where you're at in the court. And I think that takes people time um, to come back. But in terms of this is my 10th year in the league. I've been a starter for eight straight seasons. Um, 
I've been in the playoffs nine straight seasons. This will be 10. I think for me, I've had stretches where I haven't performed particularly well. Some of the stretches have been longer than others where maybe it's three games, maybe it's a five game stretch where things are going well. Maybe it's a month where I'm just shooting extremely poorly, but you always regress to the mean, right? Where the season is so long. There's so many months. There's so many highs and lows. So many times in which your team is doing well, your team is not performing well. You go on winning streaks. It's like you're the best team in the NBA. You lose three in a row. They're like, I'm I'm down on this team. They're struggling. And it's like, well, you're going to struggle too if somebody watches you, you know, every other day for eight months. They're going to see like the best and the worst of you. And I think it's about stemming the tide. And I've done that throughout my career. So I haven't had a season where I was like, that was just a terrible season. I've had years where I'm like, ah, that wasn't the best version of me, but you know, it was an average year for myself and, you know, I still average 20 or whatever and a few assists, and a few rebounds, and I still shoot, you know, 44, 45 from the field and close to 40 from three. So it's like a down year for me is like a really good year for most players, right? Like, right. if you think about how I've played throughout my career where I basically, you know, even though I didn't play my first two years, I think my career average is like 19, four and four on like 45 Thirty-seven didn't really count until you started starting because it's such a huge jump in terms of the numbers. Yeah, so if you count me as a starter, it's like twenty-two, four, four, forty-five, thirty-nine, eighty-two. So it's like that's a that's a you know down years included. That's a a pretty solid career where I was pretty efficient. You kind of know what you're going to get from me because my game is just the way I play. It fits in. It fits when you just post up. It fits when you play a fast tempo offense like. I'm able to kind of figure out how to play depending on how the game evolves. Now you played the Raptors once this season. Uh, I'd have to pull up the box score to see exactly what you did. But just curious what your thoughts. You didn't. Uh, were I you there? Back, I was coming back from COVID, but I was there. Um, okay. Just just a correction. Griff is the executive vice president of basketball operations. Ah, executive so EVP. vice president. Thanks, More important Ash. than. <laughs> More important than the president. He's the executive vice president. <laughs> But yeah, you had, uh, oh, Z played in that game. He had 33, 12 of 15, typical. Um, but yeah, what do you think about them and like sort of why you have this random fall off or drop off? I think they play extremely hard, um, but they got a lot of similar pieces. And I think that's what they're going through right now. They got a lot of big, strong, athletic wings. Um, I don't know who plays the center position for them. I think they had Thad Young playing center. So yep. that may be something they want to look at because he's more of a four, but he can play some five. But I, I think in terms of what they need or what they're lacking, something's going to happen. I don't know what. There's rumblings about certain players on the team not being happy and due to tampering. I can't speak to that, but right. I think they're going to they're going to move someone at some point. I don't know what type of picks they have lined up, but something needs to change because they're way too talented um to be struggling the way they've been struggling throughout the season they got too many good pieces they got too many guys who are not only impactful and, and quality nba players on that team but that would be impactful and quality players on other teams and probably have larger roles depending on who they decided to move and i think based on the success toronto's had historically um in terms of how active they've been at the deadline you know how they won their championship was being active right um mm-hmm. they're going to figure out a way to improve they're going to figure out figure out a way to 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 tinker with a roster a little bit and they're going to get the best out of their players because that's what they've done historically. And you look at the likes of like Fred Van Fleet, for example, they got undrafted guys that are impactful because of the development, because of the the 705, I think it's 705 or 405 Raptors or something like that. The, because of the G league team, they develop players extremely well and get the most out of their guys. So I look for them to, to definitely rebound, whether that's, 
continuity continuing to figure itself out or making a move. Yeah, they're the type of organization that doesn't want to like back out of relevancy, right? You got to stay right. in it because you can stay out of it for a long time if you're one of those organizations that aren't like, you know, everybody's eyes are on going to. So it feels like they'll do something to tinker, but still be a play-in team so they can kind of get the best of both worlds, you know, get some acquisitions, <laughs> but still feel good about where they're at. Um, another team that you played a little bit more recently and you actually did play in that game uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. We got, I got to say this. So I am an ultimate jinx. Uh, last week in the podcast, I think I said that the Brooklyn Nets winning streak doesn't seem like it's going to end soon. That was before realizing that they were playing you guys two games later. And that same night that we recorded that, they lost to the Bulls. And speaking of being a jinx, uh, the other night in Miami, KD goes down with the knee injury and he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks, going to be reevaluated, got an MCL sprain. Um, first of all, huge bummer because at this age, it, Probably feels like, you know, his MVP chances are gone when you miss a month and have such competition. But um, what did you see from the Nets with KD? Uh, because when you played them, they were, you know, just after their winning streak and still, you know, looking really good. Yeah, I seen aggression. I seen a team that was unified, well coached together and just supreme skill set with shooting. Right. You look at the supreme skill set of KD. Obviously, he didn't shoot well that night, but you know who he is. He he gets to his spots. He's a he's shooting fifty nine percent on contested jumpers, basically pull up twos. Um, having a career year, probably the most efficient year of his career, post Achilles, post MCL, at over thirty something. It's crazy to see how athletic he is still, and I think his weight has something to do with it. We talked about this in our locker room. His ability to bounce back and recover from injuries and still sustain a high level of greatness um, at this age has a little bit to do with his body type, right? To where most times guys gain weight when they get injured. That's the downfall because you can't move, especially when it's a lower extremity injury. But he's so skinny, even if he gained weight, I don't think it would affect him. But he's also a basketball junkie, a purist with, with skill set as his best attribute to where he could be heavier or slower and he's still taller than you. He's still more skilled than you and he still shoots more accurate than you. And I think that's a, a great skill set to have. Kyrie obviously didn't didn't shoot well that night either. He hits a big shot down the stretch, and he's just a wizard. He gets to where he wants to go on the court. I don't think I've seen a guy with that type of skill set. He has a mid post. He has great finishing around the basket, great That's handle. Ridiculous. He's he's a wizard and and a, and a, a basketball junkie who really just studies and, and and hones in on his craft. And you got a bunch of shooters around him, and you got Nick Claxton in the middle. Like the guy who's just super athletic, like a rubber band. He's skinny. He does all the dirty work off of three bound opportunities. Royce O'Neal does a lot of the dirty work, but they've surrounded those guys with shooting, which is a premium. You got Ben Simmons playmaking and screening and guarding, and you got a bunch of shooters around him to stretch the floor and to make it so that when you double KD or you blitz Kyrie or whatever the case may be, it's a swing to a shooter and it's a swing, swing to another great shooter. And it's a swing, swing, swing to another 40% three-point shooter, which is hard to guard. Well, the way the Heat were playing them the other day is just uh, – I I didn't actually watch the first half, but in the second half, after Kyrie, I think, already had 24, um, they were just blitzing the heck out of him, forcing the ball out of his hands. But then you're just scared to death because it, eventually it's going to get back to KD or Seth Curry or Joe Harris in the corner, and it's going to be you know a, a wide-open shot. So I, I don't know how you play them, how you defend them if they're both at their peaks, and then you have a Nick Claxton who's like – just elevated himself to you know all defensive caliber um 
So it's a tough team, but you miss a month with Kevin Durant and then you're relying on, on Kyrie Irving to stabilize you for a month. It's going to be probably pretty telling uh, just how good that team is around KD for the next month or so, or maybe yeah. three weeks. He might not be out that long. Yeah, it's definitely going to give other guys opportunities to to do more, have more of an expansive role. Seth Curry will be more aggressive. You know, you look for him to get more pick and rolls. They'll probably want some actions for him. Joe Harris will have to shoot more. Patty Mills may get into the rotation. TJ Warren, who is a great pickup for them, is, that was. is getting back into rhythm. They'll run some ISOs for him. Obviously, it'll be a lot, a lot of Kyrie, but this will be a test to see how deep they are. And I think it's it's good for teams to have to go through this. Obviously, you never want to see anybody get hurt. Like let me preface this with that. Like you don't want to see players get hurt. But in the event that a player is out, absent, gets injured, whatever the case may be, teams get to really see how deep they are. They can assess the rest of the the roster more because you don't have that crutch you can just throw the ball to and say, go win the game for us. Now you have to be more precise with execution. And sometimes coaches, they're able to get more into their X and O bag, right? You got your your ATLs really matter now because you don't have that seven foot, you know, Grim Reaper who can just, you know, do whatever he wants out there. I think you get to see what your team is made of and you either fold or you rise to the occasion. I think, you know, the teams who have success later in the season figure out a way to win you know, the games they're supposed to win and steal a couple while they're, you know, star players out. Yeah, shout out to Jock Vaughn doing his thing as the head coach there. Um, But also, I think the guy who will basically figure out what kind of impact he can have uh, with this team throughout their playoff run, probably Ben Simmons, because he's going to have to step up his game and just be more, whether it be the distributor, maybe look to score a little bit more, because he has taken shots in the paint. He doesn't look uncomfortable there. And if they sort of give him more responsibility because KD is out, like he might start getting into a rhythm, feeling himself. And by the time, you know, KD gets back, he's the playmaker that he was more aggressive. Yeah, he's definitely going to have to be more aggressive, having played against him, I think. Obviously, he missed a lot of basketball and he had some back issues. He had some some things that kind of affected his movement patterns. And I think it's key for their success for him to be an offensive threat. At times, he has to look to score. He has to look to be aggressive, get to the basket, do some of those finishes that he's done historically because it frees everything up. It, it, it makes it more difficult to guard the other guys when you know he's trying to score. When you know he's just passing, you're able to kind of focus more so on the shooters, focus more so on the star players on that roster. And he's so big, so talented, so fast. You know, when he gets into the paint, it's hard to stop him, right? Like he can pivot, he can pass still. He's got those hooks. He's, he's good with both hands, right hand hooks, quick finishes high off the glass with his left hand as well. I, mean, I think it's about him finding his comfort, finding his rhythm, and then understanding that now that KD's out, you got to be more aggressive. Um, I'm bringing this up for a reason, but uh, today is your son's first birthday, is it not? Today is my son's first birthday. <laughs> I just did an Instagram collab with my wife just now for uh, this video that we have put together. Shout out to Justin uh, putting together this video for us. We sent him a bunch of pictures and videos of of Jacoby throughout the last 12 months. And that was hard to narrow down because obviously I have like 70,000 photos and most of them right. are Jacoby and videos and just random moments that we've seen throughout his one year of life. Now he's Jacoby James. Are you calling him JJ or are you not? Are you breaking that uh, pattern right away? <laughs> I call him Jacoby right now. I think he'll figure out what he wants his nickname to be or 
kids mm-hmm. and the teachers and friends will just call him something, but I just call him Jacoby right now. I figured you would just keep going and just maybe call him David James. You go DJ and then the next DJ. Edward James, EJ. But <laughs> regardless, the reason I bring that up and happy birthday, Jacoby, um, is shortly after that last year well also he was at 11 59 p.m baby and so do you like check and see maybe the clocks are wrong could it be 11 11 instead of our 1 11 instead of 110 or was that not an yes. option <laughs> i asked her uh my wife i said do you want him to be born on the first or the second she's like he's being born today and i was like well you're running out of time just a heads Down up to the last like, second you know, talk we, about we, a buzzer beater but yeah, um we, it was funny yeah. The reason I ask is because less than a month later, I believe you got traded, right? Mm-hmm. I got so traded I'm... February 7th. I think his appointment was the 10th and I told the team, I just need to go to his four week appointment and then I could come. So I went to his four week appointment and then I went home, ate lunch and then I went right to the airport. So of all the like trade stories or trade experiences you might have heard over the league, like where do you consider yours? Because I can't imagine all those things going on in your life at that time that it's just like, oh, great, hun. Let's just go to New Orleans. Yeah, we talked about it. So I was fortunate enough to be a part of the process. I was fortunate enough to have great dialogue with Joe Cronin and the Treblaze organization, Chauncey. Uh, some of the players and, you know, I was in contact with my agent throughout and I said, you know, it's it's time for me to go. Um, what are the options? You know what I mean? What teams are interested? And we started kind of talking through it behind the scenes. And, you know, I talked to my wife about it, understanding that she was pregnant at the time. Right. Think about it. She had the baby in February. So when we started talking about stuff, we hadn't had the baby yet and we understood the baby was coming. And we knew what that was going to look like, but it was more so um, sacrifice. Sometimes you got to make sacrifices, you know, in your family, in your household, um, happiness matters, balance matters, and you just try to figure it out. But that was a situation in which we knew it was time. We knew the timing wasn't ideal, but we also knew that, you know, when you get the all-star break, I would be able to come home. So I was like, okay, so I'll basically be gone a few weeks. I'll be able to come home. And then we just trying to figure out when they were going to come to New Orleans. But with pediatrician, a new baby, with all our resources there, it just didn't make sense for them to come to New Orleans. Um, so it was tough. It was hard, you know, having a baby, you know, being away from the baby right after you have it. I got, I went on the road right after he was born. Uh, it was like a five game road trip. I ended up meeting a team in the South, but it was tough. But in, in life, you got to figure out, you know, how to balance things out. You got to figure out, you know, happiness and what joy looks like and understand that, you know, your parents work too, right? Like, Yep. That's the way it goes. You got to be able to provide. You got to be able to figure out um, how to how to keep an identity um, with a child. Although the child is basically your identity at this point, you're just you know such and such as parent. Um, it's a cool part of life that you enjoy, and it's just, it's the most rewarding thing I've ever been a part of. You know, and I don't think anything gets better than being a parent. So that's got to be you know you hear all these times about these players who feel shortchanged or feel betrayed because they didn't hear about their trade until the day of or that's that's got to be the ideal situation right like you probably tell this story to a couple of people who have been traded and they're just like damn it <laughs> why couldn't i get that type of treatment for my front office that's got to just be like just a respect level from the you know as long as you were in portland right yeah i'm extremely grateful and it's unfortunate that players have to go through that you know being traded and not knowing being unaware finding out online on tv you know, you got guys driving to the facility and they find out, you know, in the car or while they're in the facility. I think it's it's unfortunate part of the business. Obviously, some things need to be held close to the vest, but I think guys deserve to know before the rest of the world. Like, could you imagine, you know, 
if you know normal America or beyond would find out that they had been their job had been switched while they're at mm. the job and no one told them and like the the family dynamic of that when your kids are in school your significant other works like that's a lot to have to process and deal with and I think the human element is oftentimes lost um in the sports world because everything is so public what you do how you play your performance could you imagine if your performance from your boss was like public like after every oh, day yeah. after every day you had to talk about what happened what went well today what didn't go well like you, you wrote this article but like you know like it's <laughs> it's that's a tough part of the business and that's why we get compensated so well but that human element of trade deadline time is always it makes my stomach hurt when i see some of these guys and know them personally and the way it's done is is oftentimes not ideal it's just it's just a terrible part of the sports world and i hate it i hate that part of it Hmm. Well, I'm glad you said that about the human element, because it's an easy transition because I was I was watching. Um, I don't think you've seen it yet, but I was watching the Shaq doc on HBO Max. And I covered Shaq when he was in Miami from you know the trade until he left and then did a little story on him after he left the Phoenix, just on the little blow up uh, between him and Pat Riley. And it's crazy. Like, I think of myself as like, you know, a, a people person first. Right. I think of of all you know, professional athletes or anybody that I work with as humans first. And I never try to be too intrusive or anything. Right. But there's some people that just have a larger than life personality and experience. And when you sort of like with Shaq, when I jumped into his life, which was 2004, he had already been a three time champion, you know, probably the biggest name in the sport at the time. And as much as I wanted to think of him as human, it didn't feel human. Right. So like I, I right. you know, I, I had good relationship with him and then it went bad and then it was good. And all of it is just like in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, how can this guy who is has everything in the world be so um, insecure? Right. How could he be so have these issues like you're the man, like just, you know, you're above everybody else. And then you watch this doc and you realize that, oh, like he wasn't great in high school. Like he had that that growth spurt. And you can relate. And then all of a sudden, he's still adjusting to his body. This is big guy who is not good and frankly, a little embarrassed by it. And so you and then you've got, you know, his dad, who is not his biological dad, but his dad just sort of hammering home like, hey, you've got to be great. You've got to be great. You've got to be great. And it just brought such a human element to Shaq that the next time I see him, I just want to give him a big hug, <laughs> you know, like everything from you know, that he went through with Kobe and then like obviously Kobe passing and him saying, I wish I would have talked to him more. And, you know, his sister passing saying, I wish I would have talked to her more. Uh, it's just a lot. And he, if somebody of that size and that stature, you just never think of him as human. It's so strange to see that. And I highly recommend watching it because it just brings him just into a more like relatable light. Yeah, I haven't seen the documentary, but I did see some excerpts of the sit downs where he talks about regrets and not mending certain relationships not contacting people more and you could see the hurt in his eyes you could see the hurt on his face the fact that he'll never be able to have certain conversations again well at least in human form um until he passes but i think the like you said before the crazy part is you look at these athletes right he has the superman tattoo he impersonates a character in which he is almost above life. He's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he has all this money, 
He's in commercials. He has all these endorsement deals. Now he has ownership and equity in almost everything. Like you think that everything is going great. And a lot of times, you know, people are fighting battles behind closed doors that nobody knows about, right? They have these battles. They have these issues. They have trauma, whether that's from childhood or from adulthood to where it affects you. And you don't necessarily wear it in your sleeve and you don't hear about it until you see these stories where they kind of peel back the curtain, right? Like in this society, we only show you what we want you to see, but we're all battling something and there's, there's something deeper that we're going through. And I think these documentaries and these sit down interviews and things of that nature really kind of show you um, the fact that like, no matter how big he is, seven foot, 300 pounds, whatever, no matter how many championships he won, there's certain conversations that he wishes he could have. There's certain elements to yeah. life that he feels like he didn't take full advantage of. And now there's the regret that we live with forever. And I think that, that, that stems from, um, you know, childhood, like, like you said before, you know, him being raised by his stepfather, him serving, uh, his stepfather serving, and then, you know, kind of putting that discipline in him. And then you look at the relationship, the tumultuous relationship that him and Kobe had throughout and they talk about it. Uh, to where he's at now, right? Like still on TV, mm -hmm. still a face um, of the NBA, one of the greatest players ever, and he's still battling some things. And I think that's important for people to note. Um, it's okay to, to to have, you know, moments where you don't feel like things are going well, but it's also important that you express them and talk to someone and get the proper help because it's not healthy to live that type of lifestyle to where you pretend things are okay when they're not. Yeah, he had the perfect cover, too, for because he was just a giant of a man. It's like nothing can affect me. So why right. would I be bothered by these things? And like, so he taught, you know, little snippets of the of the doc. I feel like I'm going to spoil it for you. But he mentioned that, uh, you know, ever since his sister passed, he doesn't sleep very well. And it's just it's heartbreaking. You know, there was a time I mean, this was in 2005 when I covered the team. They ended up losing to Detroit in seven games uh, in the conference finals. Uh, that entire dialogue was about a rib injury that Dwayne Wade had and that's why they didn't win when you realize that Shaq in the regular season apparently Jermaine O'Neal hit him in the thigh with a knee and um Jermaine, uh Shaq's thigh was jacked up and he had to shoot it up to play in that series and so he wasn't himself but he wasn't gonna let anybody know because it's Shaq <laughs> like he's a beast you can jump all over him he won't even feel it and so all those things you look at him and it's just like Man, um, this, you know, he was fighting off any sort of real emotion and not really, uh, uh, you know, showing all of that. And here he was carrying that this whole time. And people he wanted to be a teddy bear that was likable. And everybody thought he was, you know, a scary beast because he was dunking on people. And it's just it's such a contrast to see, you know, the human element, like you said. And uh, so anyway, highly recommend that one. I'm gonna definitely, I'm gonna definitely check it out. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And the, like you said before, the layers that you get exposed to in some of these sit downs, it's, it's eye opening because people do a good job of hiding things, but also the storytelling aspect of certain stories that they never share, they begin to share them, which is really cool and something that I enjoy about a lot of documentaries and sit downs. It was one thing that I knew Pat Riley was in this doc, and uh, I think he sat in the same chair that all the others um, interviewed in. And the chair swallows Pat. And I guarantee you that Pat Riley did not like sitting in that chair for this documentary. A uh, couple of things before we go here. Um, you got to go. Uh, we have had talks, right? The league has had talks and you have obviously mm -hmm. been involved with them on an in-season tournament. I'm just curious because this this would be around the time where maybe it would be ending, maybe even to be starting. Who knows? Uh, my guess is it would be starting earlier in the season. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. 
Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What do you think, A, that might kind of look like and B, just feel like for a player if it comes in, you know, at a time where it's, you know, the doldrums of the NBA season and not really too exciting yet? Yeah, I think I just want to say, first and foremost, players have to agree um, to this. We have to agree to the the setup. We have to agree to what it's all going to look like, location, when the games are played, all those things. So players and, and people that may listen to this understand that aspect of it. And we have to collectively agree between the league governors, et cetera. But any event that we do and it kind of progresses, I think, like you said before, it'll probably start early in the season. They'll probably pick a day or days in which, you know, playing level games are played, you know, kind of like, conference games right where you know you have to play for us right we have to play the Dallas Mavericks a certain amount of times we have to play teams within our um not just division but um what's it called you got division conference conference and, and then, then what is it like the little not west and east but you got like the southwest or whatever like those little divisions as those well. are the divisions yeah so yeah, those are the divisions. So you'll have the, the breakdown where you play those games and then, you know, basically based on a performance, based on record, there'll be a tournament that that happens out of that. And I think I think once you compete as the player, um, once you get out there on the court, you just want to compete. But, you know, compensation matters, what that looks like, you know, how we're able to get sponsorship around the game. I think all those things will be important um, for players. And I think the the important factor here is that we won't be forced to play more games. I think if you win the championship, you may end up playing maybe one more game, uh, maybe not, depending on the breakdown and how they do it. Between probably 78 and 82 is my guess, uh, games play with the, with the play-in. But I think that's important because you don't want to be at a disadvantage because you compete in the play-in tournament and you end up a player gets hurt or whatever the case may be, and you end up you know losing out on opportunities to, to have the proper rest that's necessary to compete to complete this type of season. I know you're going through it now covering and having covered for so long. This is the type, this is the time in the year where it's, it's hard mentally. It's hard physically. You get out of two holidays, you get that little break, but it's not really a break. It's a break for everybody in your family and everybody around you. But if you work in the sports world, it's not really a break. And the mental side of it really begins to wear on you. I had some conversations with some players, you know, on FaceTime. We were setting up meetings and obviously going through CBA. And you could just kind of see the look on everybody's face. Everybody's exhausted. Everybody's tired. Bodies are starting to break down, as we can see across the league. It's a tough part of the season. So we got to be really strategic about how we implement this tournament, what the rest looks like in between games and all that stuff, because we want the quality of play to remain at a level um, that we're accustomed to. And I think this is a year in which the parity is great, right? Like a lot of teams are competing teams that haven't necessarily had success in previous years are in position to potentially make the playoffs or the playing game. 
there's upsets every night where you got teams who are higher seated who you know could lose to a team that's last in the division i think we're in a really great spot we just have to be careful about how we do this strategically so that one everybody wants to compete and there's the right financial incentive because we are all players who love the game but this is also how we take care of our family and we need our bodies to do that but also the timing of which the games are on tv and what that looks like for our fans so that they can enjoy it whether that's on tv or on yeah. amazon or youtube or whatever the case may be who knows what that's going to look like but i think those are the things that i'm thinking about from a player standpoint is timing of games where is the tournament played at is it an off-site location is it a third-party location is it in vegas is it in miami is it in new york like what does that look like and what's the space look like and last thing i'll say is as somebody who played in the bubble i thought it was really cool how we could watch other games i think that aspect of it was great because we play all year and very rarely does the schedule line in which you're in a city and you could go watch an NBA game. But I think it would be cool if it was not necessarily tournament format AAU style, but in a setting in which like you're in the tournament, there's eight teams left or how many teams um, qualify. Yeah, eight teams sounds right. You you go back to the same area and then you right. can watch the quarterfinals, semifinals, and you know, right. If you're in that the would be dope. That would be really cool. Like in my eyes, right. This is just my opinion. This isn't something we agreed to or anything like that. This is just what mm -hmm. I think. I think that would be cool um, aspect of it because I know a lot of guys enjoy being able to go watch. Like I go watch the Clippers and the Lakers and sit yeah. court side. Like that was dope. It has to be a different element for for the players because otherwise, all you're doing is selling the fans and saying, "Hey, this means more to them. Watch them play this." It's really you're just adding a trophy to regular games and so if there needs to be a different element and it's like you said like i i do think there's a lot to that bubble performance and it wasn't just because there was no fans it was because hey no travel and maybe i could sit there and watch and pick up a few things from the other team and so or maybe just on the outside accidentally pick up some tips for people who say too much <laughs> like all, all that stuff could be a factor in these things and it could make for you know really good basketball if you do it that way that's a great point yeah, the no travel was beautiful. I Man, I was getting tribute at two a.m. Like we play a game, I would watch a game, come back, I'd be in, I get an ice tub action, I get dry needling or acupuncture. Like I was able to get treatment. I mean, obviously, if you got your own people, you do it. But respectfully, for people that work for me, I don't I try not to make them do two a.m. treatments. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's like yeah, I'll see you in the morning or something. But like we were able to get treatment around the clock. You're able to take better care of your body, and that no flying. Like yeah. for those people that fly for a living, even if they don't play a sport, like when you travel for work, it's a lot. It's a lot on the body, the mind. You don't know where you're at sometimes. I'm going to the room in the last city. I don't know the time zones. Like I'm just, your body is just confused, especially when you do it for an entire season and you put seasons together and years together. Just brag to uh, who wasn't there. Steph wasn't there, right? In the bubble? No, he wasn't. No, there. There's something you got on him. <laughs> you didn't get to play in that. Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, that's all we got. I did want to ask you something. I don't know if you saw this. Um, you know, Jared Jeffries, former NBA player? Yes. Former Indiana star, too. He was on The Price is Right. And he Seriously? won, like, a new car. Yeah, he won that's a new car. I forget what it was. It was, like, a little Toyota something. Now, he was way too excited for somebody who played in the NBA for a handful of years to win a car that's probably around $25,000. But would you want to go on a game show like that like i'm sure you watched them growing up but like um, to me i would kill to go on that show i don't care what the prize is and like he, he I, I don't know if he was faking it because he was you know an audience member technically and he had to be all uh excited but he was 
geeked about winning that car. <laughs> I think he was probably more impressed that he won. So he was probably happy with himself as opposed to the gift. But he could be happy that he got a gift that he can gift to somebody. He can re-gift that car. Ah, that's a good point. It. But I mean, it's on national TV. If you're re-gifting that, everybody kind of knows it. What's your, uh, your favorite Price is Right game? Honestly, I don't. I'm a Family Feud guy, so wow. I like the Family Feud episodes, especially when they have like either families or athletes or like teams where they are kind of going against each other. I like to see Family Feud mainly because Steve Harvey is just hilarious, and you get some crazy answers. So I think I like I like Family Feud. Well, Steve Harvey has re- has just resuscitated that whole thing because uh, back in the day when the old host who has passed away now, um, Richard Dawson, he used to he used to do too much. He used to uh, he used to kiss every woman every in the time before in the mouth. mouth. I've seen the snippet. That was wild. Imagine Steve Harvey doing that today. Talk about uh, cancel Imagine culture. But anyway, anyone doing that today? Congratulations to Jared Jeffries on winning a brand new car. <laughs> Talk about a checklist of things he has done in life, man. That guy's got got quite a few. Dope buck list moment for sure. But no, I'm 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 good on my my end. If you're good on your end, hopefully. Next time we speak, maybe we get some players back that are that are currently out. Hopefully, we're in position to move up the uh, charts in the in the Western Conference. And um, happy birthday, Jacoby! Hopefully, my son has a great birthday. 